0: Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, as y'all are uh, they're taking up the uh, offering uh, this morning, we are on part 11 of our uh, uh, parabolic sermon s- series. We've been cruising through a number of the parables. Not all the parables, but a number of the parables. And uh, we chose the name parabolic and uh, simply because every parabola, everybody loves math. We're getting back to school. Everybody loves some, some good old upper level math. And uh, every parabola has, a, uh, um, has this uh, equation that defines it. And every par- parabola has a focal point. You, you sh- it, everything that comes into it, it gets focused back into this central point. And actually the word parable comes from the word parabola. And they have this central focus. So as we look at the parables, we want to make sure, since Jesus was trying to communicate an idea, then we want to make sure we harvest that idea. There's a lot of times there's a lot of other things we can pull out of it, and there's a lot of deeper meaning and teaching, but we want to make sure we harvest the idea out of it that central focus point that we reap that and get that planted in our hearts so we've been cruising through that if for some reason you've missed some of those and you want to get them you can get it on itunes it's a podcast and so you can get all of the back ones on you just subscribe to the podcast and and uh you can listen to my nasally voice anytime you want to you'll love it so anyways we are at today we're in luke chapter 11 verses 5 through 10. And I went the wrong direction in my Bible. All right. Luke chapter 11. We're looking at uh, uh, Jesus' teaching on prayer. And then he says, Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And then the one inside answers, Don't bother me! The door's already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And then to him who knocks, the door will be opened. There is a, uh, a central focus point. There is this, this thing that, that all of a sudden something beyond the normal takes place. Inside this, inside this little story that Jesus shares, there's a there's a story that I've uh, heard before, and uh, I don't know if it's true. It'd be really great if it was true. There's one of these you'd love to be a fly on the wall if this really happened, um, but it, it's it's just a cool story anyways. And so uh, there was this uh, story goes that there was this man who worked in this factory, and he got off at midnight. He worked the late shift, and he got off at midnight every night. Well, he had this, he'd always walk home. And as he would walk home, he would go along and walk. And there was this cemetery he had to pass by on on his way home. And he always stayed out of the cemetery. It's midnight. It's kind of creepy a little bit. So he would always take the long way around and go. Well, one night, it was really, really bright, full moon. He could see really good. It's really especially tired. So he decides he's going to cut through the cemetery. So he cuts through the cemetery. And finds that, hey, it's not that creepy. It's not that bad. So... It becomes his normal route. Saving him ten minutes, becomes his normal route. He just goes through there. Month after month after month, he gets off, walks through there. Well, one night, it's especially dark. And it's especially dark as he's walking through there, and he comes along, and he's walking his normal route, and then all of a sudden, he falls into an open grave. Somebody had dug it and not used it yet, and there he is. So it's midnight. He's down in this grave. He's trying to pull himself out. He can't get up. He's jumping. He's clawing. He's digging. He's hollering. And uh, man, it just avails nothing. So after a couple of hours of that, he realizes, man, I'm, I'm in here for the night. So he takes his trench coat off and uses it as a blanket and curls up in the corner and just begins to wait it out. And, you know, the sun's going to come up. Somebody will be around and they can hear me and pull me out. Well, about a couple hours after that, he's hearing some uh, footsteps and all of a sudden he hears, bah, boom. Man, somebody has fallen into the grave with him. And he hears the guy at the other end of the grave and he's just clawing along and he's scratching and he's jumping and he's hollering. And finally the old boy feels sorry for him and he's like, this dude's going to just go on forever like this. And he's sitting over there in his corner and he says, you'll never get out that way. And sure enough, that old boy got out. <laughs> See, there are times when uh, all of a sudden there are things that are possible that weren't normally possible. There are some scenarios when all of a sudden you uh, find some extra something that uh, pushes you over the top. And in, with prayer, Jesus has given us this idea of what this extra something is in prayer. We look at the scenario, and this is just not a... A normal scenario and Jesus and the guy gets some abnormal results with it he gets a guy to do something the guy just flat doesn't want to do and it's because of one key central ingredient and when we look at this we'll see here that the focus of this parable is to be bold in prayer to simply be bold in prayer when we look at verse 8 verse 8 says I tell you Though he will, I tell you, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. Yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. When we look at this word boldness... Now, a lot of times we think of it in, in somebody's bold. Well, a lot of times we can think of it as somebody who's really courageous or somebody that, that goes out and just has this you know, extraordinary bold personality. Bold can have this certain idea in our minds. But when we look at the Greek in this, we find that it actually has a little bit different connotation in the Greek than it does in our native English. We look at it, and it is uh, the Greek word an idea or i'm sure i'm just totally destroying that word but it's a uh uh, a compound word and the first part is a n which is not and then this last part of the word means shame faced and so this word boldness is actually this greek word that means not shame faced or we would simply say it's shameless This guy was willing to press through uh, this feeling of shame to get to what he needed. And you know what? There's a whole lot of us in our prayer lives that we stop short in our prayer because shame shows up some reason we know something that's gone on in our lives and we know god knows this thing's gone off in our life and so we just kind of skirt the issue and we don't really want to spend any extra time with god in prayer because there's this shame thing there or maybe we have a need in our lives and we know that man god really already provided that need had i been a little better steward of my money i wouldn't be in this position and man i'm I just can't hardly ask God. I kind of deserve the lack that I have in my life because I was dumb with my money. And, and, and God had already provided. Now I'm asking him to provide it a second time. And that's that kind of boldness that we're talking about. We so get into our works mentality. We get into this idea that somehow if we walk through these things right, then we at certain points have the right to ask God things. And other points, we don't have the right to ask God for things. But God is, Jesus is wanting us to understand that we have to be bold in prayer. It's not based on us. It's not based on how good we can be that we have been or haven't been. It's based on how wonderful and good God is. And when we come to him, we come to him based on that standard, not any standard associated with us. And it is so liberating when we finally see that. See, we back in the garden, we look in Genesis 2.25, and it says the, the man and the woman were both naked and not ashamed. They were naked and not ashamed. Why was there no shame involved? Because they had not consumed of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They only knew the blessed realm. They only knew the good side of it. And there was no, there was no evil use of the naked form so therefore, there was no shame associated with the naked form. There was no shame associated with it. They had no, no knowledge of the a evil use of it. And so that is where God wants us to come back to this childlike place where there's even not even a, as we come before God, we don't even have this understanding of this other side. It's only based on God's blessing that we're before him, and we're not ashamed. God only wants to give us good. We get back to that place that we're supposed to have been back before the fall of mankind. I love it because we see it so many times in kids. Man, kids are so wonderful. And they they understand that so many times that you don't have to earn certain things. You don't have to to jump through a whole lot of hoops. And uh, as we were traveling around, I... I uh, of all of my children, who's probably the the boldest in asking for things or just bold with people or just really that shameless thing is my middle son Weston. And uh he is just not bashful about anything. And in his life he's gotten a little bit more than the others have, because you know, they go to order drinks and man, he's gonna like my kids tease him that he orders the most expensive thing on the menu. And so why? It's not because he prices it and says, I want the most expensive. It says, man, that sounds tasty. I want some of that. And he just assumes that whoever's buying wants to give it to him. <laughs> he just assumes they want him to have it. And so there have been times I've had, son, what are you doing? You know, you can't order a $6 beverage, son. That's just silly. You know, we're all drinking water. Weston's got some big old mug of something down there. It's like bubbling and stuff. It's got a little frost all over it. You're like, what are you old enough to drink that kid? Let me smell that. What are you doing? And uh, but he's just always he's just always been that way. When we were out traveling, man, he would he didn't it became a goal as it went. It became a goal that he wanted to make a friend everywhere. But it was about the last third of the trip because it dawned on him that the first third of the trip he had made a friend everywhere. So then he was on a hot streak. So he just wanted to carry it on. And he would, there were every church, we'd go to visit some little bitty teeny church and Weston come out and bring with somebody, this is my friend, so and so. So then he'd go somewhere and, and then we kind of thought it was just kids, that he was a kid magnet. Well, we ended up staying in this RV place that was like a semi-retirement home place. And, uh, and, uh, and there was just a, a lot of a lot of retired folks, and so uh, in this place in Louisiana, it was very nice. It wasn't very kid friendly at all. And when they sh- saw us roll up with our five kids, they were really concerned. But bless God, our kids were well behaved. And so there wasn't a whole lot of kids for Weston to make friends with. So as we're there one night, when all of a sudden we come, and we, Weston comes up to the to the RV and opens the door and says, uh, "Dad, Dad, I, I got somebody I want you to meet. I made a new friend." Like okay, that's that's great. So uh, says well, yeah, but they're they're not willing to come in. And I'm like okay, well I'll come out. What was this person in their fifties? This lady, and he just had her by the hand, and she's kind of embarrassed, and but she just couldn't turn him down. And she's like, uh, I'm sorry, he was he's just, he's such a sweet boy. And I'm like, he is a sweet boy. And then we got to talking, and it, it was it, we ended up really in, enjoying each other. And uh, Weston is just that not shamefaced, bold that I just know that I need to be more before my Father God. That He's just, He's so ready to be my friend. God is so ready to spend time with me. That's Weston. Weston just thinks everybody wants to hang out with Him. He's just convinced everybody wants to be His friend. So He's just going to beat them to the punch and be their buddy first because they're just waiting on Him. And man, that's the way we've got to be before God, and when God has some then and and we need have a need in our lives. We shouldn't be all timid like I am. As a, you know I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll take the water. Is it free? You know, <laughs> and you know, and really, I'm like, man, that sound, that stuff sounds good. And then I look down there, and Weston's drinking it. Boy, throw at me some of that. We've got to be more bold. In fact, our reading today, if you're tracking with us in reading in Ruth. We see that Ruth laid hold of of her promise in her life because she was man she was bold. There's a man named Boaz that she needed a kinsman redeemer, and as uh, he has a, he's a, a very wealthy man, and she has to do some some stuff that is like borderline seductive i mean that to step in and get her get him to step in and use his right. To redeem the family property and, and come in and redeem her, their life. As you, as you read it, you see that she's coached by her mother in law to, you know, put on your perfume and bathe and put on your best clothes and go out to where the reaping is done. Okay, you're going to put on your best clothes and you're going to go out into the field. Um, she wasn't ready to go out there and just harvest some grain, she was harvesting a relationship. She was getting a husband. And she went after him. She got him too. uh, But there was this level of boldness that was associated with it. And we have to be willing to press through and and not have ourselves associated with being shamefaced. We have to press through and be bold before God. Luke 11.8 says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because... Of the man's boldness, that he was not shamefaced, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Hebrews four sixteen says, "Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." That God wants us to approach His throne, and we're approaching His throne boldly that's understanding that he is the king of the universe that understanding he is God and yet we still come before that boldly unshamed faced as we walk in and we lay hold and ask our father God to give us the things that we need for our lives, the things that he so wants to bless our lives with. There's a story of one of the uh, Roman emperors that had this huge parade and had everybody out. And he had, every, had this huge corridor laid out and all of the, the Roman guards, and he was in his chariot, and all the people are, are clapping and yelling, and he had his family up on this, this <clears throat> place that they were watching. And he's coming through, and he's just showing all of his glory or glory as emperor of Rome. Well, then all of these guards, I mean, they're just being austere. It's the emperor. They're not letting anybody through. Well, then one of these this little boy jumps off of the platform and weasels his way through and muscles it up. And then this, this guard sticks his javelin in his face. And the kid just tells him, says, Look, he may be your emperor, but he's my dad. And he let him through, and the kid runs up and jumps up into the chariot. And the emperor embraces his son and and hugs him in front of a a cheering crowd the thing is we have to understand that yes he is the god of the universe yes he is glorious and awesome yes we don't deserve the relationship but he so chose us and he called himself father to us and that's how he wants us to respond to him And we ask to just push through and it doesn't matter what gets in our face or says, oh, you have no right or or tries to block us. We have to say, wait a second, wait a second. Yes, he's the God of the universe. But he's my daddy too. And I'm going to approach my daddy. We boldly approach the throne of grace. Acts 4.29 says boldness is something that the The early disciples prayed for. says, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. It's something we ought to desire. It's something that doesn't necessarily come naturally to us. It's not something that we just naturally fit into. It's something we have to press through. A lot of times it's something we have to pray for. Lord, help me to come before you boldly. We look over here in Luke 18, and there is a, a parallel parable. It's communicating the same central idea, Luke 18 verses one through eight. And Luke 18 says that then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up." He said, in a certain town there was a judge." who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, You know what? I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? This is what some unjust guy who doesn't care about anything. Will not God, who on the other end of the spectrum is completely just and fair and loving, all the more respond? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are to pray without giving up we're to pray in boldness the next thing we see back here in in chapter 11 is that boldness ignores excuses see the friend's excuses the the ones that he gives are the same thoughts that are swirling around in the man's mind you know he's got this need this friend of his showed up on a journey and we have to understand hospitality in in uh <clears throat> Jerusalem at the turn of the century. I mean, it was it, it was not just rude of that family; it was a blight on the community. If someone wasn't taken in, we actually not <clears throat> too long ago we read about this this uh, um, guy in uh, Judges who's going along. It's a really creepy story, honestly. And I was going along in Judges, and he's on a journey, and is in the middle of the town square. And nobody had taken him in, and finally one guy takes him in, and so he's like, "You're not gonna stay here. It's a complete stranger. Why? Because it was just it was just completely a blight on the community for that community to not be hospitable. So this guy shows up at his friend's house, but he doesn't have anything to give him. So he's he needs to to have some bread or something to set before this guy. So as he's going in this guy shows up he knows he's got to go knock on this man's house he knows what's going on and all of these excuses that the man on the inside actually gives you know these things are just swirling around in this man's head we look at these things and he says look don't bother me the door is already locked and my children are with me in bed i can't get up and give you anything I tell you, though, he will not give him anything, because, give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness. It's late. The door's locked. My kids are in bed with me asleep. Can you imagine if he has, they're all tucked in there together and he's got to get out and do all that kind of stuff? How many of y'all have had a kid before that once they're asleep, you don't want to mess with that? Woo, that is precious. Nobody better ring that doorbell. Somebody's going to lose their head. If they wake this child. I mean, we've had that in our lives. And this guy goes over and he's knocking on the door. And he's like, shh. We're all in bed. The little one junior's finally asleep. Don't you dare make me wake that kid. And he just presses through anyways. Says, look, I've got a buddy. And he showed up. And the guy doesn't get up because he's such a good friend. He gets up because of the man's boldness. Boldness will ignore excuses. Man, we are so stinking good at making excuses. You know, I mean, there's just no way I'd have been able to knock on the friend's head. I just wouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. I'd have known all those things were going on. And, you know, I'd have gone and tried to harvest some grain and knead it myself and make some bread real quick in the middle of the night, something. I would not do it. I'd like, man, we can't do this. And... uh but we have to ignore excuses. Back whenever uh, I was uh, applying to uh, um, planning on going to college, right before I came here to ASU, I applied for a number of scholarships, and there was one scholarship that because I would, my my father worked for a certain company, then that corporation gave out a lot of scholarship money, and so I was a, applying, and there was a, a pretty heavy duty process, and so. I had to ride all of this different stuff, and I, I knew I wasn't a shoe-in for it, but I needed to apply for this scholarship, and it would have, it would have been a full ride. It would have paid for my entire um, uh, tuition and books school and uh, at issue for all four years. So I'm sitting there, and I get about halfway through it, and I've got all of these excuses of just going in my head on why I'm not going to finish this application. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to keep pushing through. I'm just going to keep pushing through. I'm just going to keep pushing through. And then finally I overhear something said that with that scholarship program, that particular scholarship program, that none of the guys outside of the central office, kids get it. It's all the corporate. It's all the guys with the suits. All their kids get the scholarships. None of the field guys' kids get the scholarships. Well, as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, shoot, I didn't want to fill all this stuff out anyways. So I quit. There was my excuse. Boom. I quit. Well, then come to find out when it was all said and done and they handed out just based on my SAT score alone that I would have got at least a half, if not the whole thing. I totally messed it up. I blew it. I quit because I bought into somebody else's excuses. So many times we completely do that in our lives. That's why we as parents have to be careful how we speak and about our children and frame their worlds. We've got to make sure that we don't plant excuses in their minds on why they can't do something. Well, I've just never been able to do this or everybody in our family has always been this way or, or this, that, or the other. We need to make sure that we don't automatically hardwire them with excuses. We've got to make sure that we protect their little minds. We we cannot give in to excuses." Luke 14:18 says, "But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, "I have bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me." Proverbs 26:13 says, "The lazy person is full of excuses, saying, "I can't go outside because there might be a lion in the road." Oh yes, oh yes, there's a lion out there." Yeah, Proverbs shows us that uh, we make up all kinds of lame excuses all the time. But Jesus was teaching us not only to push through these silly, lame excuses like, oh, there's a lion in the road, but these legitimate excuses. Jesus was teaching us to push through legit things. The door really was locked. His kids really were in bed with him. He really didn't want to get up and mess with us but the boldness pushed through now i want to remind you this parable is not showing us that god is like a is like a neighbor who doesn't want to be bothered that's not what this is showing this parable does not start with the kingdom of god is like it just simply is illustrating that we need to use boldness so we don't interpret all of a sudden that god is a neighbor who has piled all his children in bed with him and wants to be left alone and uh that is not <laughs> that is not it God is wants us to approach him. God wants us, but he wants us to do it because all of these excuses they're swirling in our minds. We make this stuff up. We push through them. And we have to we have to push through them to get into God's presence. <clears throat> the uh the next thing we see is that we should ask, we should boldly ask, seek, and knock. Whenever you look at these in the in the original language, these are progressive forms of the verbs. It's ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Again, man, kids are really good at this. And the other time we had the other day, we just finally had to tell Carson, "Look, we heard you," because he just knows. I mean, it, there's you know five kids, there's seven of us, lots of stuff vying for attention all the time. So he just knows it. Does, it doesn't start with one mommy or daddy. He gets it ramped up. Mommy, 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 mommy. He just knows it's going to take a little minute to penetrate through the, the white noise and get heard. You know, especially with me. You know, one time I had I had Linden. She was about eighteen months old when I was Brooklyn. They grabbed my face. And it's Brooklyn. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden she just reaches over and pow! I just feel my head get yanked. And she grabs my face and says, Daddy! Yes, baby girl, what can I do for you? (laughs) And uh, we just have to make sure that we are that kind, that we're willing to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. Luke 11, 9 through 10 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it, or has he spoken it, and will he not make it good? God is going to make good on his word. We just have to make sure we don't bail out before we step in and see God fulfill his word in our lives. Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two says if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. We just have to believe that God really meant it when he had it written. We have to make sure that we're there on that page with him. Because see if boldness got the man's need met without the help of relationship how much more will boldness help in our relationship with our father. He wants to give us good things. He wants to bless us. If boldness works outside of relationship, then it for sure works inside of relationship. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God wants to give us good things. And, and the best thing He can give us is Himself. And give us the indwelling Holy Spirit that guides us and fills us and, and teaches us, empowers us. See, God loves it when we have confidence in Him and approach Him boldly. That's what God wants. We should not be shame-faced. We're not supposed to approach Him all cowardly and weak, ready for Him to backhand us or something. God loves us. That was what the cross was all about. God's wrath for sin was fully vented on the cross. God just says, hey, I'm open, I'm here, I want to spend time with you now. And in our lives, we have to be willing to step in and be bold. Press through the excuses, press through any of the the inward shame, and press through and just be bold with God. Now this morning, if... uh, If you do not have a relationship with God, that's where it has to begin. It has to start with you being in relationship with God, and it is so